Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Shine, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us, Joe. Thanks for joining, Joe. Thanks. I'm not quite sure how to take the intro. <laughs> well, you know, anyone who's a control system cybersecurity expert, an international author, cybersecurity, control systems, and security systems expert, you know, I would consider that a true cyber celebrity. Um, so, so, Joe, I mean, my question for you is, you know, somebody who was a control system engineer for perhaps some of the most sensitive types of plants in the country, specifically nuclear, how did you become so entrenched around control systems, cyber risk, and, and how did that evolution uh, um, happen? Well, it started off when I got out of school and my first job was at GE Nuclear Energy in San Jose. And I was working on instrumentation and controls, uh, primarily with you know this, the, both control and safety systems in nuclear plants. And being a nuclear engineer, safety was always my number one ethic. Sure. Okay? Well, everything early on was all about, if you will, serial communication. And then as time went on, um, I started moving away from um, just pure nuclear safety and more into uh, you know, modern instrumentation control systems. And I ended up uh, going to the Electric Power Research Institute, EPRI, for about 15 years. Sure. And so a big part of what I was doing was trying to champion the use of digital controls because that was gonna make us much more efficient, reliable, you know, I hate to say it, uh, you know, reduce staffing, you know, all of the wonderful stuff. The only thing was, cause this is like in the nineties, the concept of security never came to mind. Sure. Okay. Uh, it was purely efficiency, reliability, uh, productivity, and safety. Okay. And then I ended up following the Y2K uh, programs, of which I was involved. Um, I helped start the control system cyber program. And that was where we were starting to bring together for the first time the instrumentation and control systems, and if you will, uh, the equipment monitoring systems with cybersecurity. And unfortunately, what we started in 2000 has not to this day gotten a lot of traction. The traction has all been at the network, internet protocol network layer. I can almost say 
where we are in 2022 is almost been moving backwards from where we started in 2000 about actually trying to secure devices, sensors, you know, where you measure pressure, level, flow, temperature. So, so Joe, that, you know, I, I guess my, you know, as, as I'm hearing you speak, I mean, what makes control system cybersecurity different than IT or OT cybersecurity? Okay, it's, it's very simple. Shouldn't say it that way. But kind of a funny way of saying it, with IT, you're using, everything is about data, okay? In the control system world, everything is about physics because you're manipulating physics and processes. Sure. And here's the thing, the closer to the edge you get, the more efficient a process is. So we're always on that kind of funny, very edge of trying to get as much out of the process as we can without making it unsafe. And so the issue of having all of these cyber systems was meant to be a great help to us. Unfortunately, it's also become somewhat a bane of our existence because it's a way not only to do really, you know, to do good, it's also a way to do very much harm. Sure. Thank, thank you for that. Um, so I guess just kind of building off of that, um, are there any cultural barriers really preventing control systems, uh, cybersecurity from being more effective uh, in 2022? Yes. And and, and, and let me start out with where we were originally. What happened was, and I hate to say it, but this is real. The engineers and the IT or network people generally don't get along. They have a completely different mindset. You can't just walk in and say, hey, it's time to upgrade your computer, or I need you to take this down so I can... Uh, upgrade or do some type of scan. If that particular workstation comes down, the steel mill shuts down or the power plant or the grid is gonna go down. You have to work on the schedules and concerns of the people operating things. We thought, famous last words, this concept called donut diplomacy could work. In other words, the engineers get together with the IT, or now it's called OT people, and over donuts and coffee or whatever, and, and work with each other. It hasn't worked. And here's one of the ways you know it hasn't worked. Who's in charge of cybersecurity? The CISO, yep. the Chief Information Security Officer. There is almost no CISOs anywhere who have under their purview a pump, a valve, a motor, a relay, a turbine, a transformer. That's the vice president of engineering or operations or power. Well, it turns out those people aren't involved in cyber. So to this day, 
our biggest problem isn't technical, it's cultural. Sure. And it's not going away no matter what you hear. It's getting worse. So, so Joe, appreciating the culture um, is perhaps the, the largest issue, but are there technology barriers keeping the control of cybersecurity from being effective? Yes. And, and the point being that control systems are, are essentially older systems. Now, there's a couple of exceptions, but I'm giving you the general rule. The general rule is that these big control systems are 1980s, 1980s, 1990s technology that have been, in a funny sense, upgraded. But they've been starting with a very, very insecure base. The devices, here's one to think about. December 29, 2021, an engineer from Abu Dhabi wrote an article they were installing 3,000 brand new digital sensors in a petrochem. Excuse me, this is for measuring pressure level, flow, temperature, chemistry, you name it. In order to commission and get these in, they had to do a thing called calibrate to make sure that it's absolutely accurate. Mm -hmm. Well, when they finished, they needed to send the, sep the, the, the calibration data, you know, to the great big cloud in the sky. So they went to the vendor's spec sheets. And these are our big vendors. These are the Emerson's, Honeywell's, Siemens, ABB, Schneider's of the world. And they went to get the password so they could send the data to the, you know, to the, to the web. Sure. Well, guess what? There were no passwords. It's not that they weren't one, two, three, or default. There are no passwords. Sure. The technology doesn't exist in these devices to have a password, to have authentication, to have encryption. Pretty much, I gave a presentation March 10th of this year to the US Air Force Cyber College. The title was, that shields up and good cyber hygiene don't apply to legacy process sensors. What's the first thing they tell you? Have a strong password and change it frequently. What do you do when you have a device that doesn't even have a password? Sure. So if you're asking, what's the difference? You have two completely different worlds that have been tried to be mashed together and they don't work. Here's one last point. There's this huge push for what's called zero trust, mm -hmm. okay? These sensors and actuators are 100% trust. You don't say, gee, do I think that pressure signal is right or not? Sure. That signal is going in real time to a sensor or a controller in real time. This thing is happening in milliseconds. It's 100% trust. What's worse, you want to say worse, 
these devices built in backdoors directly to the internet. Mm -hmm. So everything you're trying to say not to do on the IT or quote unquote OT network side is exactly what's in these most critical of all of our critical devices. And so if you're asking, you have the cultural gap and you have the technical gap. And neither is, you know, there's all kinds of dust being moved, but not at this level. And one last point. You think about solar winds. Control system cyber is roughly five years behind IT cyber. Solar winds was the Russians doing a very, very, very sophisticated cyber attack that basically got them around all of the newest and best cyber mitigations. Now go think about where we are in the control system world. Sure. We're five to 10 years behind. Much of that newest and greatest technology can't even exist in here. So we have to figure out how do we take the insecurable and come up with a way to make it less vulnerable? I think that's the, the billion dollar question, Joe. Yes, and this <clears throat> is part of what we're trying to work on. So, so Joe, I mean, we, we've spoken about a host of topics. Um, I guess before I let you go, is there anything that we should have addressed on today's show that we didn't get a chance to talk about? No, the biggest thing to me and why today's show is important is <clears throat> I believe there are two, if you will, organizational areas that need to be the driver to get improved cybersecurity. The first is the insurance company which is where you are. The second is the credit rating agencies. Mm -hmm. We need the two of you who are absolutely risk averse to realize just how huge the risk is here and to take your hammer because this is not changing. You read about you know, all of these OT security companies in the boardroom, none of it has anything to do with the pump or the valve or the transformer or the things that break and gonna take you nine to 18 months to recover. And this is not going to be solved by the government. We desperately need the insurance companies and the credit rating agencies to use your, um, you know, your 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 power to get the boards to realize that these companies cannot keep going with the level of risk that's out there. Does that kind of give you an answer? 
Absolutely. And, you know, I look forward to perhaps asking the same question to some of our insurance carrier uh, uh, colleagues, you know, underwriters and, and executives that might come on the show at a later date. So uh, you certainly gave us a, another topic for a future show, Joe. And, you know, I wanted to thank you for everything you've done for our country. And thank you for coming on the podcast and chatting cyber with us. Well, Mark, thank you so much for the, for the opportunity. And I look forward to further conversations. Thanks, Joe. Thank you.